Hey folks, episode number 37. Uh, we got a big show today. Uh, we have Melissa Leone and Megan Lyman from the Central New York Roller Derby on. Uh, we have Cliff Montoni filling in for Aaron Higgins this week, special guest. And um, we have a big announcement coming up in the first segment. That's true. This is uh, very, very interesting news. Took me by surprise and, you know... For all you folks getting up at 6.30 in the morning on Sundays, your life's about to change forever. I think it took everybody for surprise a little I'm, bit. Yeah, I'm not even sure that it's real. I, I need, I, we got to get Parkinson on here to yeah. let us know what's going on here. Let's get him. Prove it. Let's get him and see what's going on. From the upstairs of your uh, your your humble abode, Justin Parkinson, Mister Maiden Utica, welcome yep. back to the show. Thanks. I assume this is the this to discuss how much I love rollerblading, and <laughs> I'm like really pumped for the roller derby girls you, to come on. So you, is that you, what you, you wanted me to come down here for? Is is that what you're talking about? You know, he's he's rollerblading in here, a triumphant success for my heart Utica Day, which by all accounts was uh was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that in just a minute. I do want to recap. Uh, I heart you today, but let's talk about uh, let's talk about what's going on here on Sunday morning. This scam that you've worked out. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk, talk about this scam that you've worked Explain out. Explain to me exactly what we're doing here on Sunday. Well, uh, friend of the show now, I guess you can say Beth. Yeah, Beth Coons, guess, yeah. yeah, she was doing the Sunday drive on ninety two point seven. Um, it's essentially community programming, uh, topical. Uh, they're a locally owned station, so uh, they're looking for content. Like that in that in that time slot, and Beth had done a really good job uh, doing it until she moved on, obviously to to WUTQ, um, and it left a void there. Yes, she made a strange comment to us as she was walking out. If you recall, Sam, I do remember that we should get in touch with the guy from the station and kind of pitch the concept of taking over the slot. So we said, "What the heck?" He responded back to our email graciously. Mm-hmm. Multiple ones, surprisingly. <laughs> Multiple, <laughs> Multiple emails. And, Multiple um, email requests. I met with him on Tuesday. Um, went kind of walked around the station. Um, Genesee Joe was there. Great guy. Yep. And uh, Utica legend. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we're going to start doing a 30-minute show on, on that 92-7, 6.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. slot on Sundays. So uh, baby steps, I guess. It's so, not like the... The groundbreaking thing, but it's cool to kind of get on the air, you know? A couple things I just want to throw out there. So we we don't exactly know what we're going to do for format yet, right? We, we have a general idea. Yeah, yeah, gonna... yeah. We'll follow a lot of what uh, <coughs> Beth was doing with, mm-hmm. with the, the being kind of more uh, topical and, and doing those type of things um, as they happen. So, you know, we'll have some planned stuff, but if the hospital gets built tomorrow, you know, it gives us kind of a platform to shift, like, on the fly and uh, put out a show like that, you know, so... Um, we would have lots to talk about if yeah. that was the case. So That's it's going gonna, gonna to be an extra platform to uh, to kind of just get more more stuff that we're doing out there, talk to more people mm-hmm. in Utica, so it seems like a, a win-win for everybody, so... Okay, so the other question I have is, and which Sunday is this starting now? Uh, next this coming Sunday, like as this Sunday, yeah, yeah, it's like five days from now, five yeah. days from now, yeah, huh? Uh, yeah. 
Okay, I just got r r something I need to clear. I think I know the answer to this, and I think we're okay here. But let me just double check, and we'll do it right here on the show. Does this or does this not require us to wake up and be somewhere at 6.30 in the morning every Sunday? It's the magic radio. I would never, I never kiss and tell, Kevin. <laughs> so, You're going to spoil it for the people at home. Well, I don't know, Kevin. Do you record your show at Tuesday at 9 a.m. when it goes up on Twitter? No. I, you don't I, know that. I just need <laughs> See? Like, yeah. Sunday's my day off. I just need to know if you're trying to pull me out of bed at 6 a.m. Because no. I quit this show joking around quite a bit. But I got to tell you, if it's 6.30 in the morning on Sunday, you're, you, congratulations, Park. You're you don't even know what it looks chair. like at 6.30 in the morning. I don't even think you've seen 6.30 in the not morning. Not on Sunday. I tried like hell not to. <laughs> See, that actually kind of would work out for me because that means I could do the show at 6.30 to 7. And then I could come home and make breakfast. And then soccer starts at like 8.30. It's perfect. Yeah. Beautiful. So I'm not totally against it. <laughs> Fine, good. More for you going on. <laughs> More for me. Uh, so and also we don't have a name for the show yet, right? We don't know what we're calling it yet. I, no, it's it was it was the Sunday. I'm not sure if people, you know, a lot of people have probably listened to it and, and heard it before. We were on it when the boxes were coming out, and it was a Sunday drive at the time. So I'm not exactly sure. You know, there's a lot of things that like are probably out of our hands and in our hands. Like it's, it's kind of happening quick. So who knows? You know. <laughs> Uh, you, I want you to know. I will <laughs> gladly call it whatever corporate sponsor wants it to be called. For Ooh, the record, that's an excellent choice. We would call it. Of course, it's an entirely different color. I'll see you with a cup of coffee in my hand at six a.m. <laughs> with the proper funding. So, um, we'll uh, leave that one open. I guess. Well, that's a that's an open ended question. Let's move on to something a little bit less glad handing with asking for money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so maybe we can get Maiden Utica to give us some money. <laughs> Let's Just transfer between shell corporations <laughs> yeah. here. Let's move on to uh, I Heart Utica Day, which for all, it, it, I got to tell you, I was so like uh, caught up getting ready for the show and doing my prep work and getting ready for the panel stuff. I had a hard time really uh, getting a chance to walk around the actual event. You probably got a better chance than anybody to see everything that was going on. How did you feel like, you know, you were directly involved in, in how this did. So what did you feel like it came out like? Yeah, I was a little bit like you because we set up the the live stream. So that was a, mm -hmm. a bit of a, a hectic thing. We had to like run back and get a board and stuff like that. Nothing major. But so part of my time as it first happened was, was caught up getting the stream set up. But everything from a technical standpoint was, like, flawless. The, the internet connection worked. We had great audio. Um, you know, we got real lucky with our power sources and all that. But from a vendor standpoint, I thought – I honestly thought when we were talking about it, and, and now I feel like I can say it because the event's over, I thought 200 to 250 people was going to be nothing. I really – I knew we were going to have a sellout problem, like, a while ago. <laughs> wow. I swear, yeah, I'm, I was no, no, pretty confident can, I, I understand it, that. You can see, we talked about it a bit before the event. You can see the numbers coming up, like, yeah, just in yeah. general trends and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's one of the things Ryan even said on the panel is that everybody is interested in something, but they need to either uh, commit or go day of, you know? So Utica's a little bit flimsy like that where, like, pre-sales were up for two months – um, we gave away tickets online, multiple partners, you know what I mean? But you never know until people actually show up. Right. But I kind of had a feeling well, that yeah, a I bunch mean, of people were going to show up instead of just taking two seconds to buy a $5 ticket And that ticket happens online, all the you know? time, you know, Justin, specifically. I know this happened when you and me. How many times have we had tickets to stuff that, like, somebody gives us, we get a hold of tickets, and we just mm -hmm. don't go? Yeah. You never know what might come up. And a lot of times people will get, like, 
Because if it's a, you know, what was the cost at the door? Five bucks. So if it's five bucks, if I run into you, I'll buy a pre-sale ticket for right. five bucks. And if I don't go, I don't go. Right. So that's, you know, until the people start coming through the door, that's the nervous moment, right? Yeah. Event starts at six o'clock and it's like 5.50. The doors aren't open yet. You're like, oh my God, this yeah. might all go downhill. Well, we luckily, we had the reverse opposite. I think we had like seven tickets left before the doors even opened. And then yeah. it was sold out like... 10 minutes before the show was even on, I was like, man, that, that was end of conversation about attendance, you know? Like, I don't really think people out. expected it to be sold out. I think people expect, I think there were people who expected they yeah. could just walk up and I, buy tickets. I did, though. I mean, I thought because of, and a lot of this goes back to the effort we put into it because, like, this is a massive project for us. So, like, for it to go very well is, is a product of us trying really hard to make right. sure people were aware and, um, you know, wanted to come and vendors wanted to be there. So well, from my perspective is I did so much work that, yeah, damn right it should have sold out. And we, that's, that's the, what we were trying to do. That's the key point, though, like saying from your perspective, like when he said, you know, a lot of people didn't think it would mm-hmm. sell out. Of course, you thought it would sell out because you knew what was going behind it. But your average person who just read about it in the paper or whatever probably never expected to come yeah. down and be like, oh, my God, this is what's going on. Because yeah. I heard that from more than a couple people. Like I went down. I couldn't believe, you know. How many people, how big it was, this and that. A lot of people were surprised by that. Again, not really expecting us to, you know, come out like that with it. So uh, we're going to bring on your uh, your roommate, uh, Cliff Montoni, oh, to come on do uh, fill in for Aaron this week. He's got nothing good to say ever. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I got to, if we're, if we're, good. <laughs> if we're moving off from my heart, you could, I got to, one quick question, Sam. I got to ask you, how oh, yeah. was the panel? Oh. What was that like? Um, look, uh, it was nice to have four very professional speakers up there who could all carry a conversation if need be, even without my assistance. I felt, uh, I wouldn't say I felt unnecessary at times, but, you know, everyone had a good story to tell. And I suppose that's had, the goal of a good moderator is to, like, you know, make the flow so seamless that you do yeah, feel. Um, I hope we try, I, I think we tried to stay uh, in a good place from not being too serious but not being too goofy. I think we had some good conversations. Um you know, it's tough because the, the panel discussion is an hour long and it's the end mm-hmm. of the event and a lot of people have already made the rounds and done the vendors and the band already played. So it's tough to commit to staying for another full hour to hear people talk. But I was surprised by how many people actually did stay and were engaged. And that was really nice, actually. And that felt good. Shout out to all the people on the panel, by the way. Chris Sunderland, Emily Leo, uh, Ryan Miller, obviously, who's yep. our, our boy. And Lynn Michelini, who is an it's absolute superstar. superstar. Yeah. Like, and, and mind you, all four of those panelists could have easily come on and, and been an interview for the for the Uticast yeah. and been great. But Lynn Michelini is an absolute yeah. superstar. Lynn's we got to have her on the show. I've yeah. oh been there and done that type of thing, and she's done it all well. And where she's been, she's left the mark. You know, those it's are, a very impressive. She just casually so. dropped. She's like, oh, yeah, you know, back when I, like, started, I helped start Armory Square. Yeah, you know, yeah, no yeah, big yeah. Deal. You're like, oh, wait, what? What? Well, yeah. it's, and it's people like her are a really good resource in our community because, mm. you know, for as many of, you know, there's guys like us who are trying to do, you know, this or that to do things with the city – for all the you know youthful exuberance, all this list stuff we have, she's got an experience level that's really helpful yeah. from a mentor standpoint. To have older folks who are like I've been through it, this is what I've seen to teach you know younger people. That's the one thing you know experience is something they bring to the table the that one, you, know, you don't get from. Last okay. thing, just um, as we kind of go go on, is Lynn made a comment on that panel that the area has better marketers now, and uh, I think a lot of that comes off because of social media is that. You're, you're even promoting and, and building brands individually for it. Um, but we do have good marketers um, like us who are going to tell you to go to Made in Utica, 
dot com to watch the panel back and read all the That's information. True. You can go as back you and watch to Sam's about. panel yeah. review. Um, very quickly before we ha- we're already running over time as per usual. Uh, we had one mailbag question and it was about iHeart Utica, so I figured I'd pitch it to you two guys while I was here. Uh, this is from Mohawk Valley Mini Maker Fair team. Okay. All right. So thanks for sending in the question, guys. I appreciate it. At Maker Fair M V F A R F A I R E the E at the end. Uh, hey hey Uticast. I was reflecting on iHeart Utica Day. What do you think of the area's most promising industries for potential growth? An area you'd like to see cultivated further or a missing link you think should be introduced? Cheers and thanks, Mohawk Valley Mini Maker Fair Team. Oh, man, that's a um, that's a great question. I wish I had time, but that's yeah. a very thoughtful question. Mine would be, again, it goes, it goes back to the panel, which was kind of discussed on there. I think Ryan was the one that said this. We need something that's going to... Uh, be a local company that can transcend like some national lines, you know what I mean? Maybe mm. international. If we can get some stuff produced, and not weapons or, uh, <laughs> you know, well, you know, like, uh, like out of nowhere. Um, what well, you know what I'm talking about? I like, know what you mean. Like, I'm, saying, like, like, I'm trying to pinpoint. If we can like, get a growth things, industry, we, right? Yeah. If we can get a growth but industry, it needs to, yeah. it needs to ex- uh, happen here, and then <coughs> be able to sell multiple places. And we well, do have tons of that stuff, but we need like that big one, you know. Well, and that's that's the biggest thing, you know. Going forward, it's. Pretty much, you know, you can make an argument for many different industries, you know, missing links, things like that. Going forward, it needs to be somebody who's going to provide jobs because at the end of the day, for all the talk about what Utica's mm-hmm. challenges are, what things there are, at the end of the day, we've got a math problem yep. at hand. Yep. And we need more jobs for the people. So whether that's large companies coming here and making this a home base to transcend national bounds, you know, growth industries coming out of here, we're going to have to find a way to do it. I think it would be interesting to see us move into directions. Specifically, I'd love to see some high-speed railroad in New York State. Mm. I think that would be awesome. Um, I would like to see us focus a little more on being like you know sort of a central switching point for every place that you go in the state. But realistically, anything that comes down, and even if it's like infrastructure jobs, you know, fixing old bridges, sewers, roads, things like that, we just need more places to put people who want to work to work so yeah. they can go out there and earn a living to continue to reinvest in their community. Can I can I just briefly, again, I know we're over, shamelessly plug the event again, though, but it being at, <laughs> but listen, but it being at a college is, is like that premise. I think one of our ultimate things is we have a couple of colleges here. If we can figure out how to get those kids to stay after school and move into our yes. towns and get jobs, that'll solve a lot of things. 100%. But whatever that issue is to get 100%. these kids to stay here, but you got like four, if the five, job, you know, If the jobs were here, the kids would stay. That would be money. They gotta go somewhere and work off that debt. Yep. Great question, guys. Great question. Lord, thanks a lot for sending that one in. You can send us thoughtful questions or not thoughtful questions. We answer them all. Yeah. Uticast at gmail.com will send you free swag from Central New York Roller Derby. All right, get this Ooh. kid out of here. Parkinson's right. self-plugging too much. Let's get him out of here. Oh, shameless. Spared you having to deal with um, with Justin Parkinson for a week that Higgins isn't here, and we actually brought in. Uh, were you? The, he was the first guest on the show, episode number one. He was the first ever, the guest, very yeah. first Uticast guest from episode number one, representing Utica Bread, made in Utica in our upstairs apartment, Cliff Montoni. Thank you very much. I feel so honored. 
Well, Cliff, it's glad to have you here. For those people who don't know you, uh, let's just give a quick rundown for those people who haven't been listening for all 37 episodes of who you are. Shame on you. Shame. First. <laughs> shame, shame. I feel like shame on you if you have listened to every single <laughs> you gotta one. Get to the back you get out there. Go play racquetball or something. <laughs> it's winter, though. That's it's true. cold. Yeah. That's why I don't go out anymore. Run. I've just been sitting at the house for a month and a half. Don't go outside. Don't do anything. <laughs> Don't do anything. It's tough in the cold, and you never want to leave the house. I was saying that. I feel like I've been hibernating all winter. I'll make any excuse not to go outside. It's mm. fair. Well, I'll tell you what's uh, what's been tough. We both have broken coffee pots in our apartment at the same time. How's that working out for you, Clifford, up there? Uh, well, I just got the news, so it's still kind of fresh. Uh, <laughs> it hurts a little. It stings. Uh, but, you know, we have Justin to thank for that one. So I guess I was drinking too much coffee anyway. So. That's fair. Okay, you're probably right. That's when the coffee pot, because our coffee pot broke on Sunday. And normally on Sunday, I'll put down like four cups of coffee by five o'clock. So it's probably a good thing it was broken. All right. So let me, uh, before we get into actual news, actually, let me share the story of our coffee pot breaking. Because this was a very Yeah, humorous... what happened? Because I all woke right. up and the okay. coffee pot was broke. So, so I'm actually, I'm interested to hear this story. All right. So I wake up on Sunday morning and Liverpool is on at 9.30. And I woke up at around 8.30, kind of, you know, getting around, doing my thing, getting breakfast ready. So I put a, a pot of coffee on. We have a percolator. On the top of the percolator, there's the piece with the lid, and on the lid is the little knob that you pull the lid off of and close with. It had been loose a little bit, and I knew it was loose, and I've been trying to tighten it every time I've been using it. It didn't seem like it was so bad. Put the coffee pot uh, on, I walk away, go do something else. All of a sudden, I hear this very loud gurgling sound from the kitchen, and what had happened is the knob had come off the top of the percolator, and there was just a hole in the top. And coffee was shooting out of the top of the percolator like a geyser yeah. all over oh the counter. God. In our kitchen? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. I cleaned it up very quietly well, <laughs> as to not Fair disturb enough. the rest of the house. I mean, one more reason not to get up for soccer on Sundays, I guess. Yeah. You know what, though? I'm not. I That percolator, it's been a good run because that thing is 80 years old. I would say, old. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's an old, yeah. old. I think they invented coffee in that percolator. Like, it's. Shout out to, it lasted this long. Shout out to Amazon Prime. I immediately ordered a brand new percolator for $35, wow. and it's already on the way to the house, so coffee will be here soon. They have more advanced technology now. I like the percolator. Yeah. I re- honestly, he thinks it's very on-brand for him. It's good yeah, for him. It's, it's, totally totally it's, it's being able to be a little bit off the beaten path and a little <laughs> yeah. more authentic yeah. Americano without having to French press every day. See, that's, that's the true. thing, and I can't talk because our backup is definitely a French press, which is also very you know on-brand for us. I had so. a cup of that French press this morning, and it was like sandy. There yeah. were so many goods. <laughs> that's in. how we like it. Again, I think I blame Parkinson. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, so, should we move on to some actual news? We're just gonna talk about. We can talk about coffee the whole time. I, I like coffee. You know, I was gonna go with uh, like soccer hooligan rage on on breaking the percolator, but no, no, because Liverpool won, so it would have been oh, okay. a, a, a rage right. of joy. Yeah, uh, things happen. I think you isn't know? that that's pretty much what they do? Like you know, you watch these English soccer hooligans, and they're like, you know, if our team loses, we're gonna riot, and then it's like <laughs> our team won, we're gonna riot. So you guys are gonna riot either way. Um, I've never been in a soccer riot, clearly, because I live here. Right. I've been to, like, two soccer matches, and they've an exhibition. But uh, I read a book about it. About It's called Amongst the Thugs by Bill Buford. If you're ever interested for a good book, Famo's Book Club. Amongst the Thugs, Bill Buford. Um, it talks a lot about, like, hooliganism in the 80s, and it 
it seems horrifying, but also completely captivating at the same time, if that if that makes any sense. It's yeah, like, but I suppose a lot of stuff is, when you really think, I mean, a lot of stuff that's interesting to read about mm. is horrifying. That's part of what makes it captivating, because mm. it's so outside the realm of normal behavior that you're used to encountering in your life. You know what else is horrifying and also captivating is the election coverage oh. we've had to deal with uh, for the last couple of weeks. We haven't talked about it last few episodes, I feel like we've tried to steer clear. At least I don't remember if we have or not. I feel like we talk about it all the time, but it might just be because it's so pervasive. I mean, this is, you know, somebody I've always enjoyed politics, it's always been interesting to me. This is a circus in a different way than anything I've ever seen in my lifetime. Like, it's almost like, and it's, it almost doesn't seem real sometimes. Like, I can't believe that this is really the situation and the way that everything's being done and whatnot. It's pretty wild. I wonder, does it become more of a circus because we're getting to the age where we're more aware you know, like, we're, we we have a few mm. elections under our belt where we can kind of think back and reminisce on it, and they're all kind of circuses, but this particular election, at least in my perspective, seems like it's much less about politics than any election I've ever seen beforehand. This election seems so much about, like, character. Cult of personality. Yeah, it's a very yeah. cult of personality yeah. here. Um Speaking of cult personality, by uh, we we saved ourselves from getting another personality in this election. Uh, Michael Bloomberg decided not to run, guys. So see you. I I know almost nothing about Bloomberg, but I know you as a New York guy. You, you've got like some real. You don't like Bloomberg. You always bring no, a no. negative light. I he's an easy target. I actually kind of like Bloomberg. What are you like upstream you on a cab? What happened? <laughs> Whoa, whoa. That's that's not something to joke about. It's very serious <laughs> business. Uh, no, I just liked Bloomberg because when he ran. Uh, when he was running for, he was, I'm oh, sorry, when he was mayor of New York, um, he really didn't run like any political scheme. He was like, I'm worried about New York City. He treated it like a sovereign nation, and I really appreciated yeah, that. Yeah. He's like, I only care about New York City. Like anything <laughs> else, anywhere else, I don't care. Also, don't drink soda. He really right, didn't want yeah. you to drink soda. Well, I think, you know, talking about cult of personality and going back for a minute to the point, Cliff, that you just made. When you, uh, you know, is I think part of it does have to do with the fact that we're older and we we see more of it now and we've seen more of it. But I think by that same token, the flip side of that coin is like having seen a bunch of them now really goes to highlight that this is kind of abnormal. And I think one of the main things it comes down to outside of everything else, you know, the weird timing of these email investigations, the fact that now there's a Supreme Court justice at play, all this other stuff, and you know, the House and Senate and all these crazy characters and news stations. I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like a Donald Trump, where it's like some guy who's a businessman who's not in politics is out there acting like a maniac and it's working. I remember saying on this show months ago, like, yeah, haha, he'll never be taken seriously. And now I think you almost have to presume that, barring some unprecedented historical happening with the Republican National Convention, Trump's going to be the nominee. Yeah, and I tried to I tried to narrow it down when we were doing the prep for the show to who is realistically left on both sides. And I think it's clear it's just Bernie and, and Hillary for the Democrats, right. obviously. I, I was surprised when we said that Rubio and Cruz were both still in it. I feel like uh, it's Trump, Rubio, Cruz, and Kasich, and yeah. maybe there's a couple. Is there another hanger on? No, I would say that even Kasich being the outsider, the but with a strong push, for sure. But don't you feel like... Uh, me and Kevin were talking about this earlier. Maybe you'll, you'll agree... It feel like every day it seems like there's a different number two yeah. on the Republican yeah. side. Like all of a sudden, it's like the momentum shifts every second now. The right, way the news works. There's um, it, it's kind of interesting too because when it comes to national committees, they like to look at um, 
people who aren't necessarily congressmen. Mm-hmm. So like governors are a really good choice for them because it's really difficult for their opponents to pick out specific things they did on policy mm-hmm. to attack them. Mm. So a, a governor is not a terrible look. Also, I mean, of course, Trump has no record to run on. So Trump just seems so bulletproof. It's I feel like at this point in time, there's nothing anymore that can come out that's going to change people's opinion now. Like, we already know all the terrible things about him, what a flip-flopper he is, and what a, like, a liar he's been perceived to be over the yeah. years and has been proven to be if you check yeah. the facts. It's like, I think if, if Trump is anything, I think Trump is a symbol for how frustrated and disenfranchised a lot of people... And, you know, he's a different kind of symbol because I think Bernie Sanders, in a lot of the same way, is a symbol. For sure. You know, the fact that he gets as much traction as he does, especially with young people, goes to show, same with Trump and where he gets his support from, the things he's saying. There's a lot of people who are fed up with people who are like your Clintons, your Cruises, your Rubios, these people who are just like sort of business as usual where you feel like somebody gets elected president but nothing's going to change right. at all. There is this mm-hmm. growing sense of people are like, you know, I'm fed up with this whole thing. Let's just burn it down. Let me throw a theoretical thing at you here. So let's say that just Kasich and uh, and Rubio drop out, okay? And it's just Trump and Cruz. Do you assume that Rubio's and Kasich's votes all get sucked into Cruz? Or does Trump get any of that? They try like hell. If they, if they pull out the Republican National Convention tries like hell to turn Rubio and Kasich supporters into Cruz supporters, whether yeah. that happens or not, I think it's hard to say. I just wonder if it's like, if it's a little bit too late now to like, if it was Trump and somebody else for the last six months, it'd be really easy to be like, look at this professional and look at this idiot. Well, right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like the, the, the interesting thing to remember, you know, when I said he's going to be the nominee barring historical precedent being set, if all these guys stay in and they keep splitting these delegates and these electoral votes, they can get themselves to a situation because just like, you know, when you win the electoral college in the primary, or not in the primary, in the general election, rather, in the primary, you have to win X number of, de- I don't remember the exact number, right. but you have to have a certain number of delegates to win. If not, it goes to the convention and your party picks who it is. So if these four guys keep splitting different votes up, it might get to the point where you see none of them hit that magic number. Yeah. And then it kicks to the convention and the party has to decide... Do we want to break ranks with the front runner and send out a cruise or somebody, or are we just going to go with Trump and let him blow the whole thing up? And then you have to worry: is Trump going to run independent? So it's going right. to be interesting run all the way down to November. So here's a good question: uh, the the committee decides not to pick Trump, right? All right, so they decide to support someone else. Mm-hmm. Does it alienate people who had supported those other candidates? Does it alienate people who had supported Trump? Uh, probably a fair amount of them, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Do they lose the entire election when they pick Trump, and do they lose the entire election by picking an outsider? They're almost doomed. They're, I think that their best chance to win is probably Trump. As much as because if you see, I mean, Hillary is is probably going to get the nomination. Right. I'd love to see it go the other yeah. way. But with numbers being numbers, like, you know, Bernie Sanders is a great sign. I think he would have done a great job, but I just don't think he's going to get there. Well, I mean, who knows, unless she gets indicted tomorrow morning, which could very well happen. But I think there's too much. I would be very interested to see Trump go out there and debate with Hillary because he, that's the thing you say, you know, saying about Trump, he's put all of his ghosts and skeletons out there. There's nothing you can say about this guy, but he can go out there and be like, you know, Hillary, I know you accept bribes. I've bribed you before. I've paid you money for things before. Mm. You know what I mean? And he'll go out there and just you know, blow her up and sink her, I feel like. It'll be some... He can say a lot of nasty shit she can't counter. Right. Would it be fair to say, then, 
that for the Republicans, the best case scenario, if they want, if all they care about is winning, is Trump versus Hillary. If all they care about is winning, I think that they're more likely to punt on the presidency because Clinton is more establishment-based than Trump is anyway. Sure. And Clinton's pretty moderate for as much as she gets painted by a certain crowd. It's like, oh, the liberals, the liberals. She's, she's a war hawk. She's yeah. pretty centrist. A warhawk is she's a, a corporate-owned warhawk. That's what I mean. She's she's damn close to a conservative, yeah. so I think they'd rather see her win, punt on the presidency, and keep the Senate right. instead of trying to just get a Republican president who doesn't really do anything without the power of Congress. So they'd probably rather have Congress than the presidency. Mm. It's good for their brand to have a president they can blame all their shortcomings on as well, as we've seen in the last eight years. I think it's a legitimate concern that if they nominate Trump, they motivate the Democratic base in the presidential election to come out and really, really work hard mm. to make sure he's not elected. Because my initial thought, because I, as we've talked about in the show before, I, I tend to lean towards Bernie. I like what right. he has to say. Maybe it's because I'm uh, I'm just intrigued by somebody like him. Maybe it's because he tells the Maybe truth. Maybe it's because who knows? It's hard to gauge. Um, but what I find fascinating about Bernie is it seemed like the best case scenario for Bernie was Bernie versus Trump because now you have these two like <laughs> almost outlier candidates, right. right? Which one of these would you rather you know die on the sword for? You know what I mean? Like it, that it seems... would be that's like that's. Probably the most dramatic timeline. Oh could yeah, be, right. Those two. Oh, That's man. the most dramatic election. Um, and part of me feels like if it was down to Sanders and Trump, I feel like Sanders would win. Depends how much time he got on a stage. Everything that I just said about like Trump and Hillary debating is the opposite with Sanders. Because yeah. What's Trump gonna say about Sanders? Like, oh, you're a loser. You know, Sanders is like, oh, okay, I don't really know. Yeah. He's got no ammo against him. You know what I mean? Mm. And more of a platform for that's the, the Sanders' biggest problem is he doesn't have a platform to tell a lot of people about what he's trying to do. Young people pay attention because, you know, he reaches young people. But there's the majority of the people in this country still gather their news from cable television and newspapers. Yeah. Bernie Sanders isn't really getting as much of a platform in those outlets to get his message across to people. So I think him on a national stage would be good for him as a whole. But it is funny to me. That I feel like you see a lot of Bernie <laughs> Sanders on, like, younger media platforms you tend to see bernie sanders dominate on like twitter and like facebook and stuff like that you see a lot of pro yeah he seems he seems there's a lot of youthful exuberance for a guy as old as he is it's interesting (laughs) you know what i mean killer mike Killer Mike, yeah. Killer Mike is not a small thing. He's got the Killer Mike vote. It's because he's saying the right things and he's talking about issues that are pertinent to young people. You know, he's talking about everybody drowning in student loan debt and not able to find a job with the degree that they have and not being as, you know, not being able to buy a home and everything like that. So, you know, he talks to to a lot of issues that really resonate with those of Mm. us that are trying to transition from, you know, overgrown kids into young adults here. Yeah, and I think there's also people who just feel like maybe... Maybe we need the shock to our system that someone like a Bernie Sanders or Trump would provide, right? Like, I don't necessarily agree with both of those, either of those like, concepts, but there are a lot of people. It does I feel, feel like, like something's got to be done. Yeah, it does feel like it'd be an interesting way to just change. Interesting, maybe another wrong word. Uh, so let's let's move on. That was heavy, as all our political discussion <laughs> tends to be. It seems like segment two is always real heavy. Gotta have some serious segments, you know. It's the meat in the sandwich. It's It's like the burger in between the buns. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Uh, So we had some. uh, We had two guests this week, and it turned out being three guests. But we had uh, Melissa Leone and Megan Lyman from the Central New York Roller Derby. Uh, They played for the the Wonder Brawlers and the CNY All Stars, and they brought. um, 
And they brought Reyna, uh, Megan's daughter, who was also playing for the Junior Roller Derby team. So it was like... Junior Roller Derby, too? Junior, That's awesome. Junior Roller Derby, yeah, man. Good for them. It was cool. It was cool. They gave us a bunch of free tickets to give away. Awesome. So uh, for everyone who hasn't been sending mailbag questions in, send in any mailbag question, and I Literally, will send anything. you some tickets. Yeah. Solicit we'll money. Take. You never know. Going yes. upstairs to send one in. That's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. All right, so let's, uh, let's check out what Melissa and Megan had to say, and we'll be back in just a little bit. I'm very glad that you guys came to join us here for the show this week. Uh, we have Melissa Leone, a.k.a. Foxy Moneybags. Is that it? That's right. And we have Megan Lyman, a.k.a. Chroma Chaos. Yep. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. It's an honor to have you here. And we have Raina, Megan's daughter. How you doing? Good. Do you have a, do you have a derby name yet? Um, yes, it's Kitty Chaos. Kitty Chaos. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. And I'm really glad that you guys came to join us today. Um, I want to start off by saying something that's really going to put this all into perspective for you guys. I can't roller skate. <laughs> I have no idea how to roller skate. When I was a kid, I used to go to Skaterama and try and roller skate with the girls in, in my in my age range, and it was always embarrassing. Just the worst, the <laughs> worst experience. So just the fact that you guys can even stand up on roller skates is uh, is very fascinating to me. Um, but I guess let's start here. Uh, this the derby names. I always find that fascinating. I was going through the website a little bit today, looking at all the different uh, the different names. Where did this come from in general? Like, is this something that's going on forever, obviously, since, like, the 70s, right? Yeah, I think it's just something that people picked up on. And there was a time, I don't know if they even still continue this now, but there was a time when your name had to be approved. There's Really? There's a website that you had to submit your name, submit your number, and um, if somebody else had a name that was similar, they had to give you permission mm-hmm. to use that name. So mm-hmm. there was, like, a master roster. Awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. There's probably, like, thousands of names on there. What, uh, why did you guys choose the names you came up with? Did you just have, where'd Foxy Moneybags, I gotta know, where'd it come from? Foxy Moneybags <laughs> is a 30 Rock reference. Really? Yeah, early, <sighs> early 30 Rock, oh, I wanna say like season one or two, but I could be totally wrong. There's like a scene with Tina Fey watching PBS, <laughs> and Foxy Moneybags is like teaching people how to manage their money, uh. and she's yelling at the screen, and I was like, that's it right uh, there. Our good friend of the podcast, uh, Kate Riley, is a huge 30 Rock fan. She's gonna be mad at me for not knowing that reference. She's gonna like <laughs> yell at me, I'm like, how do you not? So what about, what about Chroma Chaos? Where did that come from? Well, I'm a photographer. It's my other thing. Um, oh, nice. I use it a lot for Derby, too, because I'm the marketing director. Sure. So I take a lot of pictures of the girls just to get us out there. And um, Chroma is what they used to call colored film oh, back right. in the day. And then Chaos, because... You can create chaos in the <laughs> pack, and it just sounded good, I guess. Uh, well, I like it. Um, I did. I don't have a derby name per se. I do have a professional wrestling persona. I'm a. I know she. My dad does wrestling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does a two CW. Oh yeah. The, he's one of the referees. Um, I used to work at Mohawk Valley with one of the guys who worked for two CW. As you, I, you can't see, I am wearing a New Japan Pro <laughs> Wrestling hooded sweatshirt because I'm a. Huge wrestling nerd as well. Uh, mine was a luchador character named Senor Fantastico. 
Um, I do have the mask floating around the house somewhere. Maybe I'll show it to you guys <laughs> that's after. A, that's actually an excellent derby name. Cedro <laughs> uh, Fantastico. Yeah, pretty that's good, great. Right? Um, so, uh, Melissa, you've been with uh, CNY Roller Derby since 2010. Uh, Megan, you've been with 2000, uh, 2013. Yep. Uh, I guess let's start with this. How did you guys first get drawn into roller derby as a sport in general? Do you have like a moment that you remember? Well, I had a friend who was playing roller derby who basically harassed me for <laughs> years and kept telling me, you got to do this. I played ice hockey. And she was like, you got to do it. If you just, it's the easiest transition. You'll be fine. You'll be able to put roller skates on. And finally there was a recruitment night and I said, all right, I'm just going to go and shut her up. And I went and it really was an easy transition on skates for me. But I was like a little bored with just skating around a track. Yeah. I kept going. And once we started hitting, I was like, okay, mm. I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Me, um, I don't know. I always loved roller skating. I did it as a kid. Always was roller skating. Sure. And then I found out that this was something that I saw that was in Rome. I'm from Rome. Mm-hmm. And I went to about one night, and I was like, oh, I think I'm going to do this. And I walked down the stairs to go do it, and I tripped and fell. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so needless to say, I left. And then two years later, I became friends with a couple of the girls that play. Mm. And they're like, you got to join, you got to join. I'm like, fine. So I went down, and they signed me up, and I just went. Besides the actual competition, which I did, um, I did a little bit of my research as I am a proper broadcast journalist, um, and I tried to watch some of the footage on some of the flat track stuff. Um, but besides the actual competitive angle of this, what do you think you you gain the most out of being involved with the roller derby, the community? And do you want to go first? I get out of the most is probably we're a tribe, we're a group of women that get together and do something fun and, you know, to have friends and it's a family, you know, um, we're all really, you know, tight knit and some, but you know, it's, that's basically a lot of it too. And just getting together and just doing something fun and belonging to something. Yeah. I understand what you mean with that. It's, it's so nice to have, uh, even if it's just something, that you enjoy doing, like a hobby-wise, it's nice to have other people who you can commiserate that feeling with and that passion toward, and it helps mm-hmm. to, to keep things going in the right direction, at least that's how it's been for, for us and this side, so, yeah. yeah. Um, now, I, I don't know if I'm wrong about this. Um, maybe this is a long time ago. When Skaterama burned down, that was, it's gotta be a couple years ago. Were you guys affected at all? Were you guys doing anything at Skaterama at the time when that burned down? No, we I, we left Skaterama a long Before time ago. Before the fire. Yeah, okay. and then that wreck building burned mm. down. I don't know if you're thinking of... Yeah, the wreck building. We were we were yeah, there when they really? burned down. We lost everything, oh, like all our banners, skates, right. helmets. Okay. There was a ton of stuff there. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that one, but it seems like you guys do a lot of work at JFK Arena now. Yeah, and that's in Rome. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. We, we go to skate a while now. Where's that? It's um, that's in Rome too. That's in yep. Rome too. That's mm-hmm. where we're for our off season. We go there, and the juniors skate there. Now you guys are part of. I was looking this up a little bit. You guys are part of the women's. Flat Track Derby Association, the WFTDA. Um, now, this might be my ignorance to the to the sport, maybe. I had always assumed growing up, seeing roller derby on TV, it was always done on a bank track. Is the, Have you guys ever done the bank track, or is that something no one does anymore? Is that... There's a there's a, there's still a bank track organization, and there yeah. are teams that do bank track, but they're in big cities like L.A. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, flat track is just more accessible. Right, that's what I was going to say. It's, it seems like, yeah. where would you go around here to find a bank track? You'd right? have to buy. Yeah. You'd have to have money and buy a bank track and have a space to set up a bank track, and we just don't have that. So, so uh, when I was on the website, we talked about this a little bit before we started. Uh, I was looking up the teams, and at the moment, there are the two squads we mm-hmm. have for CNY Roller Derby, the CNY All-Stars and the CNY uh, Wonder Brawlers. Can you guys go in a little bit about what the difference is and how yeah. we got to the two teams? 
Um, go ahead. The Wonder Brothers is the B team, which I'm on, mm. um, and we go and play against the B team, but we're not. What is it? We're we're not like with us. Well, uh, well this is how it works. So there's, um, WIFTA is an international organization. Sure. And there's, I actually have the numbers here. There's 355 fully apprenticed WIFTA team or fully member teams. And there's sure. 81 apprentice teams, which awesome. are trying to get into the program. It's international. So right now we're ranked, um, our all-star team fights for international mm-hmm. ranking. Um, out of all of those teams were ranked 125th. Wow. Yeah. Really? So, yeah. So, uh, actually last season we had an incredible season. We increased our rankings 32 spots. Yeah. Our goal this season actually is to break 100. Awesome. Um, so the, the all-star team is the A team that competes for that ranking, mm. and we travel and we'll play other teams similar or yeah. hopefully ranked higher than us, which is what a lot of who are playing this season. And then our B team is kind of like, it's kind of like in hockey, you have like your travel team and your home team. Of course. Um, but they travel a little bit too, mm-hmm. and they're also like a feeder team for us. So if we're short players, we'll pull players from our B team. Um, some B team players are A team capable, but they just would rather have a more relaxed approach to derby, so they play B team. But both teams are super competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that A team fights for that ranking status. Um, so I was going to ask you guys earlier, and I, I forgot to get into it. Uh, positionally, I think there was it. There's three positions that mm-hmm. are that you can play in roller derby. What do you guys do specifically? Are you guys like uh, which one do you use a jammer? That's the one I know. I'm the jammer. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm more a blocker. I'm mm. trying to learn how to be a jammer eventually, probably next year. Um, it just I'm still kind of new. Like I j- my first game actually was last August, and then I played in a couple of scrimmages, and then this is the first season. I'm a uh, I'm a huge soccer nerd, which is something people on the show are very aware of. And one of the things I always find fascinating about soccer is how far during a soccer match the players actually run. And I was thinking about this earlier. Do you guys know how much you must skate in like a, an actual thing? You got to be going like five or six miles by the time you're done, right? That's, like that's a great question. <laughs> I always want. It's got to be the endurance has got to be insane. I don't know. I wear a heart rate monitor sometimes <laughs> during practice, and like last Thursday I wore a heart rate monitor, and I know I burned uh, close to six hundred calories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in a three-hour practice, I I mean, it really depends on the game, and it does pot- depend on the position, too. Like, a blocker's not going to be skating as much, and a jammer's sure. going to be sprinting, yeah. so, yeah. That's funny, you burned 600 in a... I can eat 600 calories in, like, yeah. 10 minutes, so that's, like, not the same exact... I always eat that. more on practice days. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I can have that cookie uh, now. <laughs> so, uh, at the website is cnyrollerderby.com. I was on there looking around a little bit today. You guys are doing uh, season packages, it looks like, on there, ranging anywhere between uh, the largest package, which is $1,000, and the smallest package, which is $50. Um, what uh, what kind of levels of support are you guys generally getting? Like, what is the, uh, What's it been like so far in terms of the fan support and the community support? Um, community support is excellent. I mean, we have a ton of people who sponsor mm-hmm. us. Uh, this season, I think we have close to like $2,000 in sponsors so yeah, far this season. Yeah, like that. Um, we have we always have uh, parties after our bouts, mm-hmm. and so we have a host bar who hosts us, and um, anybody can come to those parties. It can be derby girls or sure. it can be community. Um, I think I don't think enough people know that it's happening right. to actually attend. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, last year we put up posters and stuff, but we didn't have chances to do like things mm-hmm. like this last year. So I think this is really gonna. Well, you know, I think uh, there there is a struggle sometimes to get mm-hmm. the word out there. Uh, one of the things we talk about constantly in the show is um, a lot of people, no one will do anything for you in this city, but if you can do something on your own, people will support it. And mm-hmm. it's important, you know, 
Yeah, I was looking back at the history of CNY, and it goes back to, it looks like 2007 was the initial start, and then 2008, they played at the Odd. Yeah. You know, it's really only, you think about that, though, 2007, that's only like eight years ago. You guys haven't even been 10 years as a as an entity. Do you really feel, do you feel, do you feel a difference now than you did when you first came in in 2010? Do you feel momentum? Yeah, actually, I feel a lot of momentum this season. Yeah. I don't know about yeah. you. But I think it. Th- I think it waxes and wanes. Like there mm-hmm. was, it was like a slow start. I think for them, and it was a small group of girls mm-hmm. who were like really driven to build yeah. to build an organization, and then uh, it picked up a lot of steam. Mm-hmm. We were talking earlier about how we used to have enough people to have three home teams. Yeah, and that's kind of dwindled down because it is a commitment. It's a huge commitment um, mm-hmm. because we run our own. We it's it's all team driven. Mm-hmm. We do do everything ourselves. We rent the yeah. arena. We. We, we make the posters. We send out the posters. We do we do everything. So. And that's nice because you're not beholden to anyone. You can do it your yeah. way. You can support, you know, people can support you in the ways they choose to support you. I think it's great what you guys are doing. Um, it does look like you guys seem to be a lot involved with the fundraising. Is that an important part of everything, obviously? It yeah, is, yeah. Because yeah. it gets pricey. Derby's expensive. <laughs> well, I want to yeah. thank you guys for bringing us all these tickets as well. Uh, you guys are nice enough. We love uh, when guests bring us uh, swag to give away to the listeners. Mm-hmm. So this is, you hear that, folks? That's tickets. <laughs> you probably can't pick that up too much in the mic. But those, uh, we're going to give those away to some folks this week, so we really appreciate that. It looks like you guys have some, these are events coming up. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about this? Yeah. Sure. Our first game is April 2nd, and it has the Water Brawlers and the CNY All-Stars. And we're playing against, what are they both from Jersey, right? South, uh, South no, Shire is Vermont. Yeah. Vermont is where we're playing for the Brawlers, and the CNY is playing New Jersey. And that one starts at 5 o'clock. May 15th actually is a game that's on a Sunday, so it starts earlier. I think, I think it's an 11 or 12 o'clock game. It's uh, 12 o'clock. Yep, oh, 12 o'clock. Getting phone calls in the studio, I see. <laughs> Very important, I know. And then, <laughs> sorry. I won't hold it against you, it's all right. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead, Megan. And that, and that game actually doesn't have the, the Wonder Brawlers. It's mm. our, the Quad Fathers, they're... That's the Our men's guy, team, right? the men's team, yeah. they're playing against Toronto, and then CNY is playing against the Dutchland All Stars, which are from Pennsylvania. Great team name. I see Quadfather's name all over the place. That makes me laugh every time. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's one June 11th, and that's the Quadfather's and the CNY. But this one's a special one, one on June 11th, because the All Stars are playing against a game and a mm-hmm. team against. Middlesbrough, they're from the UK. Oh, awesome! So they're coming all the way over here to play us. They have an excellent low-level soccer team, the Middlesbrough FC. <laughs> I, I'm that much of a nerd. I know about that. And you guys said these tickets are good for any of these events. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Our There's whole no season, date on them. Our whole our whole season is is available on our mm-hmm. website cnyrollerderby.com, and um, we also have a tournament early in the season. It's a second week in April. It's the sixteenth. Third week in April then. It's the weekend of the sixteenth. Um, that's that tournament will be, I would imagine, mm. super competitive. Awesome. So if you really want to see yeah. very aggressive, mm. fast Wifta Derby, yeah, I would tell that. Yeah, uh, Raina. So you were playing in junior junior derby is what yes. you're doing at the moment. I didn't mean to take you away from your doodling, which looks very excellent, by the way. <laughs> um, so how do you like junior derby? Is it treated you well over the years, or what? Um. Yeah. What do you like the best about it? I like the hitting. <laughs> That's what I was hoping for. They just started in October, so yeah. she's still kind of new. Um, their stuff actually is a little bit harder. Yeah. Like, they have to be able to backwards skate and backwards crossover. Oh, I, I can't... It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's rough for them, too, because yeah, it starts at 8, 
yeah. to 17. Oh, wow. Old. So oh, yeah. there's a big age range. Well, I wish you guys continued success and all the good work you guys have been doing. Um, we'd love to see great community stuff going forward. Uh, you said April 2nd is the first event? Yes. All right. We'll start getting these tickets out to everybody. Um, before I go, guys, if uh, if anyone who's listening uh, is intrigued to get involved or interested in learning about more work, we can go to cnyrollerderby.com. Is that the best way to get in touch with you guys? Yeah, or even our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. We're on Facebook, Central New York Roller mm-hmm. Derby. Or you can always tweet mm-hmm. us at cnyrd. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any advice before we leave for any uh, young women or young men who are interested in getting into the sport? Ooh, um, don't hesitate. I think yeah, if just you get out there. If you come to a bout and you feel like, oh, this is something I could never do, you're crazy because mm. there are a lot of people who have never put mm. skates on who are playing. Yeah, dirty. hugging the walls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Melissa Leone, Megan Lyman, and my girl Raina killing it over there with her with her doodling. Very <laughs> guys, thank you so much for joining us. It really was a pleasure. Uh, I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it. And we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Megan Lyman and Reyna, they were great. Um, they had great uh, roller derby names. This is something I talked about with them. Um, was it Melissa Leone is Foxy Moneybags, which, okay. which is a good one. And then Megan Lyman is Chroma Chaos. And then Reyna is Kitty Chaos because she's a daughter, and that's pretty good yeah. too. Kitty Chaos, yeah. is Kitty pretty Chaos, good. Pretty yeah. tight. little kid just like yeah. kicking ass in roller derby. That's pretty yeah, tight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so shout out to them. And again, uh, send us your questions, folks, and we will send out. Some free tickets to roller derby events. They were nice enough to give us a whole bunch. So Sam, why don't you join roller derby? Uh, I'll well, if you listen to the beginning of the interview, which I'm sure you didn't, uh, I can't roller skate. I told them that. Uh, I, shame, really? Yep, can't roller skate. Can't ice skate. I Interesting. am uncoordinated. Can't skateboard. Barely can bicycle. How are you on rollerblades? Never yeah. even tried. Not even. I know a guy. You know a guy. I know a guy who can rollerblade. Yeah. yeah. What do you? I just put them on your feet and go. Well, so yeah, I mean, you would think so. I don't know. The He's got a partner over yeah, here. Yeah, well, you're just gonna call Brink. They can go together. Oh man, I'm. I've never been. If I if I could choose to do one of those many things that I can't do, I feel like skateboarding would be number one. I would much rather learn to skateboard than learn to roller skate or rollerblade. Just throw that out there. Is what? Well, what else goes in the category? Is skateboarding the same thing in those two? Is it the same category? I guess things like, like all the categories of things I can't do. Yeah, because like there's like okay, fair enough. <laughs> what about snowboard? Can you snowboard? No, no, no. That one seems the most accessible to me for some reason. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're probably right about that. We Boys. can remedy a couple of these things. Have a couple more seltzers. We just turn the rest Go of the me. show into Cliff and Sam extreme sports. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Things could get other. good. Well, we haven't gotten to the extreme sports yet. We are going to talk about some major sports stories, uh, including the reason I, uh, the secret reason I brought you down here to Cliff is to talk about UFC. But we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, the biggest sports story of the week, and we've been talking about this for a while anyway, is that Peyton Manning retired today. He announced his retirement uh, victorious after the Super Bowl. Good way to go out. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of questions going around about whether Peyton Manning is the greatest ever. I've seen a lot of those articles today. Uh, clickbait. Clickbait. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Uh, there it is. So, you know, I've been kind of harsh on Peyton over the years. 
going back to Famo and the Wookiee, going back to a couple times we've talked about him on this show. Uh, for as harsh as I have been about Peyton Manning, he's probably in the top three quarterbacks I've ever watched in my lifetime, personally. Like, he, when he was playing for the Colts, you know, it's easy to forget these last couple of years when he's yeah. kind of been hurt, but there was a time when he was probably the most impressive quarterback to watch in all of the NFL, Absolutely. you know, so. Sure. I feel, you know, I, it's crazy because I just sort of assumed him as retired afterwards, so it doesn't really feel like news, especially because, I mean, there was bigger news yesterday, the fact that my Lakers did smack the Warriors by almost 20 points <laughs> out of that. nowhere. On Kobe's retirement tour, the only athlete retiring this year who matters. But the whole thing with uh, with Peyton Manning, I mean, you know, yeah, good for him. He was great, and it's going to be, you know, enjoy your next couple years until they bust you real bad for HGH. I wonder wow. about that. Wow. Oh, I've been wow. thinking about that all They'll day. get him. Here's the thing. He's not wrong. They all do. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if they'll get him, though. I don't know if people are going after. I don't think he people go after him with the veracity that they were going after the right, Tom Brady's right. of the world, right? Well, because Tom Brady is a proven known cheater who's been cheating <laughs> for decades. Speaking like, of clickbait, yeah. you, you wouldn't you think though, if you're a journalist, if you're some young sports journalist, you wouldn't want to make your name on this story. You oh, wouldn't yeah. be like, I feel no, like, no, I feel like I'd sure. like to make my name on being the guy who has ten million dollars because Peyton Manning paid me to not publish. I've, That's fine. Yeah. Good way to make I'll be known as the guy. Be purchased. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. My ethics are for sale. Just, <laughs> just. Who would you say the greatest quarterback you've ever seen is growing up? I guess in the time you've been alive watching football. I mean, ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it. It. I guess it would have to be the Brady and Manning because they're always the most dominant. I've like, seen. I feel like it's like year to year. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not. It's not a cumulative thing because there's right. at certain times. Right. There's certain guys who are better than anybody for a stretch of a season or ten weeks yeah. or whatever, yeah, but. Yeah. To just pick one guy, I mean, those guys have been the most consistent. You can't take it away from either of them. I hesitate because I don't want to give anyone the satisfaction of hearing me say the truth. Yeah. Which is probably Brady. Brady, yeah. yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Um, but um, Aikman and Elway. Aikman yeah. and Elway. I, I remember, See, I remember Aikman as a kid a lot. Yeah, Because I exactly. loved the Cowboys and they were trouncing along yeah. with the Bills for all those years. And I was a kid and they were like America's team and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a big Cowboys fan back then. That's the thing. It's more nostalgic. I don't. I don't really think he has the resume to say greatest of all time. Sure, Elway's a little bit closer. But sports are weird when you compare athletes because you yeah. really do have to compare them almost in groups, right? It's yes. unfair to compare, uh, like Kobe to a guy who played thirty years before him, right? right? Like, it, unfair to that other guy. Oh, unfair uh, to the other guy. Hey. Unfair to the other guy. Right. Um, no, but you have to sort of be careful. Like when you're when you're talking about Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, you're really comparing him to other quarterbacks who were big in that generation. And I guess who else was really like killing it in that era? Like I guess Philip Rivers, right? He didn't win any Super Bowls. Right. Well, there's a lot of people they overlapped uh, with too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like those guys were in the league when Favre was playing. You make a big argument for how good he was for such yeah. a long time. Oh yeah, I mean, so Favre and and the person we haven't spoken about uh, is Marino. Uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't he's watch a enough Marino though. I yeah, I'm a little too young. Yeah. I I only know Marino on the stories I was told. Like, oh, he's the best. Right. Like, uh, I may have changed now, but at one point held the largest number of record, like offensive records. Yeah. You know, so uh, but gets critiqued and bashed all the time because he never won a Super Bowl. So. Mm. Um. Well, I don't know. I think uh, I think for Peyton, I, I 
good for him. I think it was nice for you know it was it was a great way to go out to get that second uh, that second Super Bowl. It really cemented his legacy. I think if you'd only got the one Super Bowl, people still would bring up the conversation about like oh is yeah. he overrated? <clears throat> now he's got the same amount as his brother. Now his brother doesn't seem quite Dude, as how good. How pissed is his, bro- how pissed his is brother? Eli, because <laughs> Eli went out there and like against all odds, stomped, slayed the mighty yeah, Patriots dragon. Yeah. Peyton like stumbled ass backwards into two different Super Bowls against teams who sort of dropped the right. ball. And Eli's got to be so mad because that's all he ever had on Peyton was I got two rings, you got one, and now he's like, "Are you kidding me?" Well, I know, but at the end of next year, he'll have three. So. Well, oh, are you a Giants oh, mark I, like that? Oh, wow, I didn't know. That's interesting. Yeah, You and Higgins you, should yeah. have your own show. <laughs> it must be something about that chair, I think. Are you a Mets fan, too? Uh, yeah, actually, my, my parents are both wow. Mets fans, so, and, and Giants fans, so that's kind of how I was raised up. And, oh, my uh, God, I you default. and Higgins. Have yeah. you met Higgins? Yeah. Yeah. Should be yeah, so mad. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on to uh, what I would say is the premier reason I even thought to bring you down here. You that's are... a real nice thing to other say Other than my somebody. handsome good looks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, because you yeah. are... Probably the preeminent uh, UFC guy I know. If I had to talk about UFC with anybody, if I had questions about UFC, I would probably come to you, Clifford. Um, official UFC correspondent. Official, U- yeah. official UFC correspondent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this week, everywhere on everywhere on social media, everywhere in the news, there was big stories about uh, Conor McGregor losing to Nate Diaz and um, and Holly Holmes getting tapped out by Misha Tate. Uh, I don't know so much about UFC, so I'm going to leave you here. This was a huge deal, correct? Yeah, yeah. All this? no, it's massive. It's absolutely massive. Um, it shows how much in the sport can change just overnight, mm-hmm. I think, which makes it so compelling every other sport, you know. Uh, you kind of get that run where you have teams that can kind of dominate and have dynasties, but there's a lot of turnover in the UFC. I mean, long runs are mm-hmm. still fairly short. Um, I guess what I was trying to get is, is it good for the UFC that there's so much turnover in this way? Yeah. Uh, I say yes. I think that it's it's fantastic for them um, because you look at a guy like Conor McGregor and 50% of the people want to see him keep winning and 50% of the people want to see him lose. So <laughs> it doesn't matter what happens, they're going to win. And then the 50% of people that wanted to see him win are just like, that's okay, he'll win the next one and they're going to tune into the next one. Which 50% are you on for that with McGregor? <clears throat> uh... <laughs> That's tough. Uh, I generally don't like people who talk talk as much as he does. Yeah. Which is unbelievable to me. You're a talker, Cliff. Here's the thing. My, uh, my, my favorite UFC fighter is just uh, very, very soft-spoken and goes out about his business and does his thing. Uh, Carlos Condit is just absolutely fantastic fighter, mm. um, creative striker, and doesn't really have anything bad to say about anyone before or after. Mm. Uh, he also doesn't make a million dollars a fight. Exactly. Is that what Connor's making? Yeah. I think think there's something to the argument that it might be good for UFC, like when somebody like Connor McGregor does lose, because, you know, when Connor McGregor, like when it was happening with the Rousey, and they're just beating everybody, you'll hear a little blip at the end of Sports Center. But when they lose, UFC's got top billing on the headlines breaking news. And it's better for them to have the raised profile because there will always be another Ronda Rousey or Connor McGregor coming up that they can pump as the next big thing. That being said, both Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor are on the cover of the new UFC uh, Xbox game. Right. So I feel like they probably would have preferred if they had waited a couple more months <laughs> before they had taken these hard losses. Um, did, did you guys get <laughs> to see... Is anybody playing the UFC video game? UFC fans, I would imagine. Yeah, I gotta I, ask I My cousins like UFC. I gotta ask them if they're playing. They like video games, too. I gotta ask them if they play this game. Did you guys see the, the finish of the McGregor fight? Uh, I saw the... the Vine of it, but yeah, I, I read yeah. a little bit about the fight, and what the general consensus I had heard is that McGregor 
sort of seemed like he got tired in the second in the uh, second round yeah i mean bit. he came out and said that he kind of gassed after the first round like yeah. he was a little too pumped up and there's a lot of stuff going on with him changing weight classes um he did go up a weight class right he yeah he put on a good amount of weight for that fight um but generally that means he didn't cut which is a really good thing so you know 24 hours before the fight he's not forced mm-hmm. to rehydrate they just took out um IV rehydration, mm. which was really, really popular among a lot of fighters. So right after the weigh-in, you go, you IV, you get your weight back. Uh-huh. Um, so they took that out. But uh, the biggest thing is it kind of seemed like he folded fast. He yeah. tapped awful quickly. <laughs> Holly Holm held out to the bitter end until she couldn't see you know, she he was pro- unconscious. He, he probably is a guy who's been like winning his face. He probably knew. You like as soon as he got in, he's like, "I'm I'm done out here. Like I've got nothing to do out here." I think he knew he had money in the bank, and it wasn't for the title. True, I yeah, think that's a fair tough. point. Yeah. It's it's tough to stay hungry. How do you yeah. knock him for that though? If you're like, he's I, got another fight. Yeah. See the the Holly Holm thing was, she had a little bit of like Stone Cold Steve Austin action where she got choked out and she didn't tap out. She just passed no. out, and yep. people were like, "Damn, yeah, like that's intense." That she just like she's just feeling it. Good press for her. Absolutely. Um, good show for her, too. Good show. Yeah. Good show. Uh, and I think they're already saying that Misha Tate's just going to fight Ronda Rousey next for all that money, because that's what that's what they're trying to do. Third time. Third mm. time's a charm. Right before this, they they didn't give Misha a fight with Ronda, and they gave Holly that fight, uh, because they felt like nobody wanted to see mm. Misha and, and Ronda 3, so that's kind of interesting. The stakes have now gone up significantly. Well, because now they have some even footing, right? Yeah, I mean... I beat the woman who beat your streak. Exactly, yep. What are your... uh, We are very pro-professional wrestling on this show, as you may have noticed, and in our lives. Of course. How do you feel about the... Never thought I would say that again. Yeah. After all these years, I got sucked. I thought I was out. I was out 15 years. They sucked me (laughs) back in. Never thought this would come. What are your thoughts on professional wrestling as a UFC fan? Uh, that's tough. I have a lot of nostalgic love for professional wrestling. Um, you know, obviously I grew up on it as a kid, but I have a deep, deep passion for the UFC and Mm. I I just can't really find a sport that I think is better. Mm. Um, and I don't, I suppose maybe it's me. I just, I don't really have time for both. Like when you guys watch, I come down and watch and it's entertaining and I have a good time. Mm. But if I could put that time towards watching the UFC, I would absolutely do that. That's fair. See, I always say, and I say this all the time about boxing as well, because I'm a big boxing mark, but I've kind of faded away over time, because unlike professional wrestling, which is scripted, uh, <laughs> I can guarantee that if I watch two episodes, two hours of Monday Night Raw, or whatever it is, four hours, however long it is now, uh, that there's going to be stuff happening the whole time. Right. Right? Yeah. I've gone to live boxing matches that are over in two hours, yeah. because everybody gets knocked yeah. out. Yeah. Or it's the 12 rounds of just tapping each other, and it's like, this is terrible. I wish they had scripted something better into this. Yeah. I wish they could have, so, you know, maybe... Yeah. Yeah. This guy's been tapping on for several rounds. Can I get a table spot? <laughs> yeah, something? Like, anything, <laughs> man. Um, so, what you, uh, so final thoughts for any young <coughs> UFC fans out there. Who should they be rooting for? Who should they be rooting for? Whoever they like. Uh, watch the sport. Watch all of sport. Watch the whole card. Uh, do martial arts. Do anything to stay athletic. Just enjoy it. It's human poetry. It's beautiful. I'm a mega fan. I can't help it. That's very uh, nice. Yeah. You are so much Jamie Kilstein from Citizen Radio. I don't know if you ever heard that show, but you are that guy. <laughs> no, it's insanity. No. Um, all right, so let's move on to uh, some questions. Uh, instead of doing over-unders this week, we're going to close out with something. These are some of the questions that I asked the I Heart Utica Pulse of Utica panel. 
Okay. Uh, there's some general questions about you. Does this go- mean we're honorary panel members? Honorary panel members. Oh, finally. Uh, yeah. I made it. Uh, so these are a couple of the questions that I gave to them, and I will uh, let you guys see what you think. First right. one. Uh, and this ties into a story today. Did you know that Utica Greens were on uh, on Gawker today? That was one of the recipes of the really? day on Gawker. Utica Greens. Well, good for them. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. You can only have one as a Utican going forward forever. Tomato pie, greens, chicken riggies. Pick one and tell me why. Uh, my, my first... My first inclination is to say Riggies, but then I guess you ask, what makes Riggies Riggies? Like, if I pull out the olives, mushrooms, and onions, and I still make it kind of the same, does it count as Riggies? Can I get away with it? I'm going to say Riggies, because I don't mind. I don't care about half moons. Tomato pie is right. all right, but I'll be fine without it. Greens are situational, but nothing... I, I love a good plate of Riggies. Can't beat the Utica out of me, I suppose. Riggies is my call. All right, so I'm, uh, I guess, still fairly new to Utica, so my opinion counts for nothing. Right? No, it's and good though. This no, it yeah. does because we need new <clears throat> we people need, yeah. here. All right, well, let me so start with is important. Yeah, tomato pie. I don't understand it. Whoa. Yeah. You don't have to listen, Cliff. I don't understand why the sun shines down on me from the sky every day. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> yeah, it was just, just an it excuse is. to say it that. is. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess not tomato pie. I'm okay. going to go I'm going to go Riggies with Yeah. yeah. Riggies. Uh, I said this during the panel and I didn't get as much heat for it as I expected, but I'll say it again. Greens are overrated. Greens are super situational. really depends where you get them from. Greens could be anywhere between very good to very mediocre very quickly. Greens are easier to screw up than anything else on that than list. Than anything else on the greens, list. Greens, you got to really hit greens just right. Like, riggies are kind of riggies. Like, right, as long as you follow right. the recipe, you can make them. Mm. Greens, there's a lot of specific steps that go mm. into really making them excel. Chicken riggies, uh, we sold an item at the restaurant in New York, Take a Shot, that was very similar to Chicken Riggies, and I got really, really sick and burned out of it. I have had a hard time coming back around the Chicken Riggies over the years. Really, my mom makes them good, and I'm, I don't really order them when I go out. So I right, can't say right. Riggies. <coughs> tomato pie, not by default. I love tomato pie. Uh, uh, Sam, your sworn rival, my brother, made Chicken Riggies for the <laughs> first time, and they were really, really good. It was his first yeah. time making them. He sent me some. Nice. My sworn rival. He told me I was off suspension. He said Frenemy. he was off. Yeah. He took you yeah. off suspension for a minute. You guys are still sworn rivals. Can we go? Can we go Nemesis? Is it like? <laughs> is it the level of Nemesis yet? Uh, it's getting there. Yeah. We're getting into the level. Right. It's good though for the narrative. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's perfect. So here we go. A stranger walks up to you and asks you what the best bar in the city to get a beer is. What do you tell him? The first thing I tell him uh. is the 1888 Tavern <laughs> at the Saranac Brewery. <laughs> But I tell them if those operate, those very highly exclusive operating hours are not in function at the time, I, I send them to Nail Creek. Oh. There's no place where you can get, if I'm telling them specifically to get a beer, there's nobody who has a more varied, wide-ranging uh, selection of drafts that are always changing and all those different bottles and stuff like that. If they want a beer, you got to send them to Nail. A lot of other great places. I mean, you can go to the Dev, have a good time, the Onion, you know, a billion other places in between. But if you're only stopping for one, got to go to Nail. Um, I would have to say, I get a lot of flack at my work because uh, I'm a very... I don't work in Utica necessarily. I work in the region surrounding it, right? All so right. there's not everyone's from Utica. Right. So I get this bad habit of being told that, like, oh, we're just going to see you at Nail Creek all the time. What, do you just hang out at the Green Onion? I don't know if it's my face. I don't know if it's my attitude. I'm not exactly... Probably the beard, the jeans, I was gonna the shoes, yeah. yeah, probably the every time, the messenger bag. Uh, to be fair, though... I. Nail Creek, probably, I have a special spot in my heart for because I really sure. have spent the most amount of time. Even when I would come back to Utica when I was living downstate and I'd come back to Utica, I would go to Nail more than almost mm-hmm. any other bar I would go to. So it wouldn't be right for me to not say Nail. That being said, 
1888 Tavern at the Saranac Brewery, which is exclusive hours, is excellent. Yeah. That's that's really good advertising. Somebody should be paying you to say that. Someone Cliff, should. what about you? What do you think? Well, I'm a homer, uh, so I guess I have to pick Nail Creek. But I have a good reason. Okay. All right. It's not <coughs> because my boss owns it. Uh, it's because... Oh, that's right, your boss does own it. Yeah, yeah. It. So I really can't come on here and say anything differently without hearing about it. Uh but I'm going to go with uh, my, my very first experience here before I moved here with Mr. Justin Parkinson was Nail Creek. Um, and, and many other evenings after that, after I moved here, we, we spent at Nail Creek. And I've done a decent job on uh, working on the beer list. So It's true. Yep. Cool. You know what? I tried to start the beer no list there. No surprises there. there. <clears throat> tried to start the beer list there. And the problem with the beer list there is that I always get the same stuff. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. always tempted to get the same two very beers true. that I always get. All right. So this was the one that I really liked, guys. This is my favorite question. We'll close out on this one. Utica needs a new slogan, and you have to write it. What do you call the slogan for our new city? What is it? Second Chance City. Ah! Ooh. Tugging at the heartstrings right there. Got him. It's got yeah. everything. Mr. Uh, Mr. Utica over there. I feel like that is moderately co-opted. Yeah. From the uh, conversation uh, we've had. Uh, well, because it's right, though. That's what I would call it. We've all true. talked about Second it. It's there. City. Yeah. That's what I call it. You want to tell them that you made it up? I don't know if you did, but you can tell them that. I don't know if I made it up. I feel like we've had this conversation huh. many times on the show. Are, you, that's fair. are you accusing him of something? Are you implying that I have an accusatory tone to my voice right I'm now? saying that maybe once or twice you've suggested that Utica is a second chance city. I'm implying, if we've talked about this before, that it's the showrunner's job or Ooh. runner's job to keep us Ooh, off. Oh, the runner. The Just runner, the runner, yeah. not showrunner. Yeah, not showrunner. I know. The, getting killed out there in the uh, newspapers. What about you guys? What's the slogan? Um, well, I guess since uh, I can't use that one, I would. Uh, this is kind of out of nowhere. Can we just say... It's not about the food. <laughs> or it's yeah, not, that's not, it's not a, about it's, the food. It's not just the oh. food. It's not just the it's food. It's not just the food. Because yeah. that's like that when we talked about it during the panel discussion, and I guess we can bring it up now. When when Kate Riley, who was really involved in I Heart Utica Day, was going around with the whiteboards, uh-huh. she, almost a hundred percent of the people's first inclination was to put food. Right. So much to the point right. that she sort of had to tell people to put other stuff yeah. after a while. Yep. Uh, we're very proud of all our food in Utica. It's all great. We gotta start focusing on other stuff sometimes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, before we uh, before we close out for the day, I just want to share you guys a text message I just received uh, at eight thirty six p.m. Yo, sorry I was out like a light. Hope you went on without me. Love, Aaron. <laughs> oh, so that's where Aaron Higgins is out like a light. Yeah, out like yeah. a light. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Cliff, thanks for coming on tonight, man. You really uh, did good work tonight. I'm very, very impressed. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, we'll be back next week. I'm very excited. Kevin, anything to say before we go? Uh, no. All right. Time to record that first segment. Time to record that first segment.